Good morning, everyone, and welcome to St. Anne's for our Sunday morning service. Whether you've been with us for decades or this is your first time with us, it's great to have you with us. Now, I want to begin by reading a short psalm from the Bible. It's Psalm 100, and I'll read from the NIV translation. It's entitled, A Psalm for Giving Grateful Praise. The psalmist writes, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are the sheep, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I don't know how you feel this morning. Maybe you're in a great mood, ready to sing God's praises. Or maybe you're in not such a great mood and you're not really ready yet. Well, the thing about God is that he being worthy of worship is not dependent on how we feel. God is bigger than us, bigger than what we're experiencing, bigger than what we fear, bigger than what we celebrate. You see, this psalm says in verse two, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. God is God. And just because of that, who he is and how he has made us, he is worthy of worship, whether we feel like it or not. But the psalm tells us something else. Verse five says, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. God is good. God loves us, even if we don't feel lovely. And he is faithful no matter what we're experiencing. Now, in a moment, we're going to sing about God's love and God's compassion in a song. We're going to praise him for it, just as this psalm encourages us to. But before we do, let's be still for a moment and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are indeed worthy of worship, that you are the Lord God, that you created everything and everyone. We are like sheep in your pasture. And Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your faithfulness that no matter what we're experiencing, whether we're experiencing good times or bad times, that is still true. You are still loving. You are still faithful. You are still in control and able. So Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for who you are. And we pray, Lord, that as we meet this morning, that these things would be at the front of our minds, that our eyes would be lifted higher than ourselves and that would be lifted to you that we would think more about you and that that would greatly encourage us this morning and for the rest of the week. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Well, over to Tim and Liz, who are going to lead us in our song this morning.
Thanks, Tim and Liz. Now, before we have our Bible reading, I'm going to take a moment to let you know some things that are going on in the life of our church. Many of you will already know that during the week at St Anne's we have this Sunday service and a short reflection as well on a Wednesday morning. Both are available on our website and also on YouTube and Facebook. And do follow us or like us on there and then you'll get notified as new videos are uploaded. And also online, our toddler group St Anne's Stars continues on Thursdays and our recent and rather successful edition, the virtual Saturday night St Anne's pub quiz meets on Zoom. And let's see if the Millingtons can be knocked off their top spot. Now, in a few weeks time, we're going to be starting something new. You might know that we usually host a what if course twice a year at St Anne's. It's a course that allows people to explore what Christianity is all about. And next month, rather than hosting it at the cricket club, which for obvious reasons can't occur, we're going to be starting and trying an online version of the course. It's going to start in just over two weeks on Thursday the 11th of June during the evening. Now during that we'll have a bit of an explanation each week on one aspect of Christianity answering a question such as does God exist? What if I read the Bible? Um, and there'll also be lots of time to discuss these things together and to ask questions as well. Now it's not just for people who aren't yet Christians. It might be that you've been stuck at home over the past two months with lots of time to think and you've got some questions. Well it would be great for you to join us as well. You don't need to do anything just yet other than put the 11th of June in your diary. That's a Thursday evening and more details will follow next week. So in the meantime, grab a Bible if you have one nearby and turn to Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to hand over to Caroline who's going to read for us before Ian preaches. Hi, I'm Caroline Blower. Today's reading is from Colossians chapter 3 verse 18 to chapter 4 verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose 
that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympho and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's lovely to be with you this morning. And so today, uh, it's my privilege to bring to an end our short series on Colossians that we've been studying together. And in this letter, we are called to focus on Christ. And today is no exception. And so the title for today's talk is Relationships in Christ. Relationships. We've all got them, haven't we? Some are really positive experiences. Some are not so positive. Some can last for a lifetime. And some are only short and last for a season of our lives. Some shape us and change us in ways that we would never have imagined. And sadly, some relationships can be really harmful and can damage us and leave a lasting mark. One thing we can guarantee, though, is that throughout our life, we will encounter many different relationships of different kinds, whether they're family ones, whether they're friendships with other people, whether they're work relationships, or whether they're romantic relationships. From birth, we're learning and we're working out, through our shared experiences, how to socially interact. And we're learning different ways to engage with people, what is appropriate and what isn't appropriate. And we learn, depending on the level of relationships, how much of ourselves we are prepared to commit or how much we're prepared to open up to that other person. Let me just explain what I'm trying to say. Uh, we might have a really good working relationship with a colleague at work and we can really enjoy working together uh, side by side or wherever it, wherever it might be. We would talk to one another about the weekend, about the things that we've been doing, about the film we saw at the cinema or, or things like that. But I wouldn't necessarily share with that person that I could be really struggling with debt or that I'm suffering with depression or that my marriage is breaking down. Some things are only talked about with trusted others. And throughout our life, as we grow and as we mature, we learn who these people are in life that we can trust. For many, it's a family member. 
because they're the people who we've grown up with and they know us inside out. They see the real us, warts and all. And there are no pretenses or agendas uh, with these people. For others, that person is a much-loved friend with whom a deep level of trust has been built up over time. When these relationships are working well, there's no need to be guarded and we can be truly us, open and honest. It's funny because I was actually talking about this with my eldest son uh, last week. Uh, he was telling me that he counts some of his friends, his best friends, almost like brothers because it's that close, their relationship. And I actually remember saying the exact same thing when I was his age. It's funny how life takes us all in different journeys, isn't it? And only a very small number of those early relationships will actually remain. The ones that do, though, are really special. And we would probably say that these people are accepted in what we might call our wider family circle. Family circle. There's something about that word family. You see, God intended for us to be in relationships. That was his plan from the very beginning. He placed us in families. Now, I know that that means different things to different people. And I'm very aware that within families, there are different kinds of relationships. Some are good experiences and some are difficult and not good experiences. All need working at. But one thing remains. We are made to be relational beings. In fact, we need other people. We can't do everything ourselves. And I think that's one thing I've really learned from this lockdown experience. I actually miss being around other people. I miss working and interacting with other people. And if you're a regular at St. Anne's, you'll know that I harp on about church family a lot. As God's people, we're called to be in relationship with one another through Jesus Christ as the head of our family. And in him, we are built up together as the church. And because of that, there's this deeper connection that we have as Christians together. Like biological family members who have a shared DNA, we too, as Christian brothers and sisters, have a shared DNA. We are related through God's spirit that lives in us. It's his spirit living within us that joins us together as brother and sister in Christ. And as we look at this passage from Colossians, we see Paul talking a lot about relationships. And there's far too much to cover in this short talk, but he picks up on relationships between husbands and wives in verse 18 and 19, between children and their parents in verses 20 and 21. And he talks about slaves and masters. Not that Paul condones slavery in any form. And rather, he calls on both slaves and masters to live out Christian principles. And if that were the case, then the whole idea of slavery would actually leave a sour taste in the mouth and as such would, would naturally be abolished. But as I read these verses, 22, uh, it's verse 22 of chapter 3 and then chapter uh, 4 verse 1, we could actually look at these principles that Paul sets out and they could be lived out by employers and employees today. And what a difference it would make to many people's working lives. It's clear through reading these verses that Paul sees relationships as hugely important. 
but he places them within a framework. Listen again. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Do what is right and is fair, for you also have a master in heaven. You can see in all of these relationships, he's careful to put the emphasis on Christ. Our relationships should be looked at through him who is the head. And that's the thing about the church family. All our relationships are based on our shared faith through him who is the head. And that should make a difference because there's a bond that goes deeper because of it and through our shared experience in Christ. In chapter 4 verse 2, Paul then goes on to give us some really practical advice as to how we can build on these relationships. Listen to what he says. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Throughout this series, we've heard that word thankful quite a lot, haven't we? But Paul says that we are to be uh, devoted to prayer. In other words, we're called to pray for those who we are in relationship with. Now that can also mean praying for those who we find difficult. A church family is just like any other family. There will always be people who we get on really well with and there'll be people who we find difficult. Holding these relationships before God is vital. Because when we do this, when we root the very core of that relationship in God's goodness, we are also drawn closer to God. And we're drawn closer to God when we pray. And when we do that, our feelings for that person actually begin to take on a more godly feeling. In other words, we begin to feel a bit of God's love for that person. And I know from speaking uh, from personal experience that this works. This has been the case for me. When did you last pray for others? When did you last pray for someone who you find difficult? Why not give that a try today? Paul goes on to, to say, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Meaning here that our conversations should be wholesome and good, building one another up, making a difference in a really positive way. It's far too easy, isn't it? And we so often slip the other way. And actually we can get into gossip. And before long, rather than building one another up, actually we can be knocking that person down in a really negative way. And this isn't good either for ourselves and the way that we feel about that person, or it isn't good for that person, obviously, that we're talking about. For the complete opposite of this, let's look at the ending of this letter. And I love the ending of chapter 4 because we get this amazing list of people that Paul mentions, people with quite difficult names to pronounce, people who he describes, and he describes them with such affection and such warmth. Listen again to some of the, the people in this list. Titius, a dear brother and a faithful minister. Onesimus, a faithful and dear brother. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. Justice sends his greetings. Epaphrophus, who is one of us, a servant of Christ Jesus. Our dear friend Luke and Demas send their greetings. You can feel the warmth, can't you, and the depth of feeling that they have. 
These are relationships that actually mean something. It's not, they're not just airy-fairy, wishy-washy. There's this tangible connection between them. And this comes from being rooted in Christ and through sharing the mission of God together. It's a known fact, isn't it, that for us humans, we bond better when we're actively doing something, when we have a shared experience. It's similar with this list of people here in Paul's list. These are all people who've shared the gospel, the mission field of Christ together. They've taken the word of God to people together. And they've seen God do amazing things as they've done that. They've seen God work in powerful ways. And they've learned to rely on God through all of these experiences. They've also learned to trust him more and more. They've also learned to rely and trust on one another more and more. To support one another as they've grown in love for one another and for Christ through their shared experiences. They've faced hardships together and they've laughed together. But they've done all this with a shared focus, that of Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us what they're about. In chapter 4, verse 3, he says, Pray for us that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Verse 5, he says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. That's what it's all about. As Christians, we have something incredibly special to share with people. We have the good news. And our purpose is to share this with others and to make the most of every opportunity. If we're serious about our faith, then we should be serious about our relationships. We should be serious about being the church, about being the family of God, about making a difference, about bringing God's love into the very heart of all that we do. Our dealings with others should be seasoned with God's love. That's the salt that Paul talks about. When people come through the doors of our church, they should feel that love in a tangible way, in the way that we interact with one another and in the way that we greet and welcome them. That same affection that Paul intimates should be seen as the very DNA of the church. We should be encouraging one another and building one another up. Can you imagine how powerful, how infectious that would be? Can you imagine how countercultural that would be? When we truly love one another with a godly love, then we are fulfilling the mission of Christ that is set before us to love one another. James writes it like this. I'll show you my faith by what I do. In other words, by the way that we live our lives. You know, throughout these past seven or eight weeks um, in lockdown, there's been countless ways that people have shown uh, a real love for one another. And it's been refreshing, hasn't it, to see that. I suppose you could say, in a small way, we found again what it is to love our neighbour. What's so apparent during this current situation is that people are most definitely searching for something. There are also so many people turning to God, asking questions. And God is working in really powerful ways right now. 
you know, I was reading um, on Monday an article that last Sunday, last Sunday morning, there were so many churches and church groups using Zoom to access streaming services online or worship services and things like that, that actually Zoom couldn't handle the volume and it went into meltdown. In a, in a weird way, in a, in a weird positive way, the church broke Zoom. And that's brilliant. People are scared. People are lost. People are looking for answers. People are looking for reassurance. And people are looking for something. And as the church, let's give them the example of Jesus himself. Let him be the difference. And let's make the most of every opportunity that we have. And let all our conversations be seasoned with salt, showing God's love to the people that we meet. So why not today do something positive? Why not pick up the phone? Why not talk to someone? Maybe do something practical, show God's love in a practical way. But above all else, pray. Let's pray for our relationships. Let's pray for our church family. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for those who we find difficult. Let's be the difference. I've really enjoyed this short series on the letter to the Colossians. Next week, Matt will actually be talking to us about Pentecost because it's Pentecost Sunday. When we remember the Holy Spirit coming and the birth of the church. 2,000 years on, the church is still going and growing strong. Let's play our part. Let's pray together. Father, we give thanks for this amazing letter to the Colossians and for the encouragement that it's been to us these past few weeks. We pray for us as your church, Father, that we would make a difference. Lord, that we would take and make the most of every opportunity to show your love, to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ, that others might come to know you as their Lord and Saviour. Amen. Thanks, Ian, for sharing that with us. It's quite a timely message, isn't it? I guess a lot of us will have been struggling with relationships and even more over the past two months. Wives, you might consider your husband as the last person on earth you'd want to submit to at the moment. Husbands, you might be thinking your wives aren't as lovely as usual. I'm sure many kids and parents are struggling too, or maybe it's your boss or an employee. Well, if there are relationships you're finding particularly difficult at the moment, as Ian encouraged us, let's be bringing them to God in prayer. It's God's desire that relationships be renewed. He wants to bring peace where there is conflict. So let's be asking him about that. And if you'd like to talk things over with either Ian or me, please do get in touch. We'd be very happy to listen and to pray with you, to support you however we can at this time. Well, talking of prayer, Ruth Anders, one of our readers here at St Anne's, is going to now lead us in prayer. Good morning, let us pray together. We pray for the church in the world and for our sister and brother Christians who are worshipping at home, but are together in spirit. We remember Ian, Matt and their families, Bishop Paul and Archbishop Justin, as they lead your people in faith 
and we ask for your blessing upon them. We ask also for your blessing upon the work being done at St Anne's, soon to be completed, and that we may soon be able to meet again, together again. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the world as it struggles with the effects of coronavirus. We remember and ask for your blessing on all frontline workers who are dealing with patients every day, for the scientists working to provide a vaccine. We also remember those suffering still from war, violence, famine and poverty throughout the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are ill, suffering from the virus or from other illnesses and medical conditions. And we remember especially Reverend John Anders, former vicar of St Anne's, my dad, who is in hospital recovering after a serious operation. Give strength and courage to all those who care for those who are ill. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We remember all those who are apart from family and friends at this time. And remember that while we are separated, we can be assured of your constant love for us at this time. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We remember all those who've died recently and ask that you give comfort to their family and friends. Remembering especially family and friends of the late Margaret Hughes, George Weston, Bill Pyle and John Rawlinson. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We ask that these prayers and those made to you daily be accepted through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And now let's join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Ruth. Now, Ruth mentioned her dad, John, one of our previous vicars who's in hospital after a serious operation. So we do send our love to John and his wife, Elsie, at this time, and we hope for a speedy recovery for him. As we come to the end of our service, two quick reminders. After the service, there'll be a time to catch up together on Zoom. As usual, login details will appear on the screen. And if you haven't installed Zoom on your computer or phone before, there are details in the weekly email on how to do that. And also, if you'd like to think further about Christianity and what it's all about, our What If course will be starting online in just over two weeks time. That's Thursday, the 11th of June in the evening. So do put that in your diary and further details will appear in the coming weeks. So now a final prayer for us all. May the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Well, take care and see you soon.
Author of sound. 